0: Repeat it after me, John, Paul, Ringo, George, I give you the one and only, Fabulous Beatles! My name is Tim Lemire and I love the Beatles. I also love language. I'm a writer, editor, and author, so language is my livelihood. Why not put the two together for a podcast where I use the Beatles' music to talk about the English language? This is The Beatles English. Episode 5 Hey, Bungalow Bill! When I was a junior in high school, I subscribed to Rolling Stone magazine, and I was very excited to get their issue for February 16, 1984, which commemorated the 20th anniversary of the Beatles arriving in the United States for their first U.S. tour and an appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show. Rolling Stone dedicated a section of this issue to short interviews with Americans on the periphery of Beatlemania, men and women who were participants in the 1964 phenomenon, but whose names were, until then, unknown to history. One such interview was with a man named Buddy Dresner, who, in 1964, at the age of 37, was a police officer in Miami Beach, Florida. Dresner was placed in charge of the security detail around the Beatles at Miami Beach's Deauville Hotel which is now the Deauville Beach Resort. In his interview, Dresner said that he had the opportunity to socialize with the Beatles in their hotel room, including just sitting around watching television together. Dresner recalled that they were watching the science fiction TV show The Outer Limits, and an episode that included a character with a ray gun. Dresner recalled, I said, if I had one of those guns, I could zap all the criminals. Paul said, what did you say? Zap, I said. They had never heard that before. I heard they put that word in one of their songs. Zapped, past tense, does indeed appear in a Beatles song, our focus for this episode, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill on side one of what is referred to as the White Album. Why do I phrase it that way? because the White Album is a cognomen, a nickname. The actual title of the White Album is The Beatles, which makes the album eponymous. That is, it has the same name as its subject. It's self-titled. In 1988, the alternative rock group REM had some fun with this by releasing a greatest hits album called Eponymous. The working title for the White Album, reportedly, was A Doll's House. Now that title is familiar to lovers of literature and theater as the name of a 19th century play by a Norwegian writer named Henrik Ibsen. Ibsen's play A Doll's House aroused controversy in its day because its subject is how marriage and domesticity can be confining and limiting to a woman. So it's tempting to think that by calling their double album a doll's house, the Beatles were making some kind of commentary about how they felt confined by fame or limited by being Beatles. But I don't think the Beatles necessarily had Ibsen in mind when they thought of calling the White Album a doll's house. Because what we in America call a dollhouse, people in England call a doll's house possessive. The two-disc White Album is, stylistically, a mansion with many rooms, and a spirit of play, which is evident throughout the album, might call to mind a doll's house. But because of its blank white cover, something that had never been done before, the album came to be known as the White Album, which itself is a clever pun, because the word album is the neuter form of the Latin word albus, meaning white. No surprise, then, that the wizard with the long white beard in the Harry Potter books is named Albus Dumbledore. If album means white, then why is a black vinyl record called an album? A vinyl disc with one song on it is a record. A vinyl disc with several songs on it is an album. The Latin word albus, meaning white, once referred to a blank tablet or sheet of paper on which things were written. Grooves are cut into a vinyl record, similar to how words are carved or chiseled onto a blank tablet. So, a music album or a photo album is many things collected in a blank book or on a blank surface. Even with our smartphones, we collect photos in an album even though, as digital files, they're not being affixed to anything. Back to the Beatles and the song The Continuing Story of Bungalow Bill, written by John Lennon. Its very title is already a joke, since the Beatles never recorded a song about Bungalow Bill before or after this one. The song was inspired by real events. In February 1968, The four beetles traveled to the city of Rishikesh in northern India to take up temporary residence at the retreat community, or ashram, of the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. The word Maharishi is from the Hindi language, Maha meaning great and Rishi meaning wise man or saint. The word Mahesh is the Maharishi's first name. It derives from the Sanskrit word Maheshwara, meaning great ruler. And yogi, which in America is a first name given to bears, is also from Sanskrit, meaning a person who is proficient in yoga. At the Maharishi's ashram, the Beatles would learn a fundamental system of transcendental meditation, or TM. The Beatles were not alone there. There were many other guests. Some celebrities, and some not. One non-celebrity guest at the ashram was a wealthy American woman named Nancy Cook de Herrera. And at one point, Nancy was visited by her clean-cut college student son, Richard. Now, there was a local problem not far from the ashram, a problem of tigers attacking elephants. And on an expedition to try to remedy this problem, Richard Cook killed a tiger. According to Nancy's account, John Lennon looked with scorn on this rich American who dropped in to kill a poor tiger. In writing the song, John reportedly combined the comic strip character Jungle Jim with Buffalo Bill, the legendary figure from the American West, to get Bungalow Bill, the all-American bullet-headed Saxon mother's son. Now, if John truly meant to mock or satirize Richard Cook, I don't think he did a very good or wholehearted job of it. The refrain of the song, we are told, is sung by children. All the children sing, Hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill, Bungalow Bill? And the tone of this refrain is not one of reproach. It's one of delight. One can imagine... Hordes of children excitedly running around the hero Bill as he returns to town atop his elephant, the slain tiger strung up as a prize behind him. The word bungalow is a derivative of Bengali, or from the Bengal region of India in the south. It refers to a building or a home. In America, a bungalow home typically has only one story— perhaps with a loft on top. But a bungalow in India can also refer to a very large and spacious home, such as one that a wealthy colonist would inhabit. The first verse of the song sets the scene of bungalow bill hunting, accompanied by his mother in case of accidents. Now, what constitutes an accident in game hunting or what kind of accident necessitates the presence of one's mother, we are not told. But the subtle point is made. This seemingly heroic figure cannot embark on a dangerous adventure without his mommy. It's the second verse that interests me the most in terms of language. Deep in the jungle where the mighty tiger lies, Bill and his elephants were taken by surprise. So Captain Marvel zapped him right between the eyes. As in the first verse, something here is not revealed or explained. We are not explicitly told what surprised Bill and his elephants. We presume it was a tiger, but we do not know. And it's implied that Bill reacts by shooting first and asking questions later. But this is described by casting Bill as Captain Marvel and him zapping his target. Why describe the action this way? My own take on it is this. The narrator of the song is telling a story to children, the same children who sing the refrain of the song. And as grown-ups often do when speaking to children, we either omit details that are gruesome or upsetting, or we gloss over them with euphemistic language. I think of the narrator here explaining to children something to which they were not witness, Bill killing the tiger in the jungle. The hunter is cast as a hero that little children would recognize and approve of, a comic book character like Captain Marvel. Ah, Captain Marvel, what's in a name? In March 2019, which at this recording is still a month or so away, Marvel Studios is scheduled to release the superhero movie Captain Marvel, starring the actress Brie Larson in the title role. Yes, Captain Marvel here is a woman. In April 2019, the film studio of DC Comics will release a movie called Shazam, which is also about Captain Marvel, but... Uh, not exactly. The character Shazam, also known as Captain Marvel, the guy in the red suit with the lightning bolt on his chest, was created by writer Bill Parker and artist C.C. C. Beck for DC Comics in 1939. Shazam was an extremely popular comic book character in the 1940s. But in the 1960s, Marvel Comics did what DC Comics failed to do. Trademark the name Captain Marvel. That is why, in the DC Comics movie Shazam, I don't expect anyone will refer to the red-suited superhero as Captain Marvel. Just as in Marvel's movie, I don't imagine you will hear Brie Larson proclaim Shazam! Back to Bungalow Bill. The final verse of the song has the children asking Bill if killing, even killing an animal, is a sin, to which Bungalow Bill's mother replies, if looks could kill, it would have been us instead of him, the hymn, presumably referring to the tiger. We don't know where the phrase if looks could kill comes from, but Greek mythology does feature someone who could kill with a single look, the gorgon named Medusa. Perseus, if you recall, hunted her down and killed her, bringing home her head in a sack like a trophy. Now, I remember when I was very young and heard the continuing story of Bungalow Bill for the first time, I found its ending to be unsettling. The repeated refrain of the song gives way to a single instrument playing the melody. According to the production notes for the song, this is the keyboard instrument, the mellotron, using samples of a trombone. But given the Indian DNA of this song, I always imagined it being the wind instrument used to charm snakes, what is called in India a punji. Surrounding this melody is the sound of a small crowd applauding. One would think for Bungalow Bill himself, and then the song stops suddenly on the sound of someone shouting. I had always thought this was John Lennon shouting, Bill! But according to more than one written source, it is John saying, Ay up, Ayup! A Y hyphen U P, which in Northern England in Yorkshire or Lancashire can mean either hello, how are you, would you look at that, or look out. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into this song, but I've always wondered if the final scene here was Bungalow Bill bowing gracefully to an applauding crowd when all of the sudden he is, as he was in the jungle, taken by surprise by someone or something that had had enough of his killing spree. Let's return to Officer Dresner and his introduction to the Beatles of the word zap. Dresner not only introduced the Beatles to the word zap, but also to its use as a transitive verb. A transitive verb, you might recall from grade school, conveys action and takes a direct object, as in, I took out my ray gun and zapped the criminal. Where Officer Dresner picked up the word zap, who can say? Maybe he'd been watching the 1960s-era TV show Batman, in which every fight scene was splashed with comic book-like sound effects. Pow, bam, wham, and oof. Zap certainly sounds like a sound effect from Batman the TV Show, but that show didn't premiere until two years later, in January 1966. Perhaps Officer Dresner overheard someone else use zap as a verb, or maybe he himself read it as a child in a comic book of Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. Zap is an example of onomatopoeia, a term that many people know, but seldom, myself included, spell correctly. Onomatopoeia, which really should be the name of a constellation of stars, refers to a word that sounds like what it's meant to represent. Cuckoo, jingle, and thud are other examples. Now, it may very well be that John Lennon remembered Officer Dresner when he wrote the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. Or, more likely, I think, John was writing the song, needed a colorful verb, and came up with zapped, not remembering where or when he first heard it. I think that's more likely because that is how language is for all of us. We don't remember where and when we first heard or learned the words that we use. When we're born, we come into this world without language. We can certainly vocalize, we cry, we make gurgling sounds, but we can't speak words. The Latin root of the word infant, in fact, means one who cannot speak. Any words that we have, we acquire from other people. First, from words that we hear, and later, words that we read. This method of acquisition continues throughout our lives. Can you think of some other method of learning new words other than hearing words? or reading words? Even Helen Keller acquired language in this way. Instead of words spelled out on a page, Anne Sullivan spelled out words using Helen's fingers and hands. Now, I have a very modest background as a teacher of English, and no matter what grade I taught, I would tell my students that language is a living thing. It grows, it expands, and it contracts new words are introduced to the language, while old words like galoshes, spats, or phonograph fall away. I would tell my students that they, as young people, were very often at the vanguard of language, trying out and introducing new words and phrases all the time. Now, of course, this flattered my students, but it's true. They were very pleased to know what a vital role they played in the development of our shared language. And that got a few of them more interested in words and writing. I hope you've enjoyed our time together, talking about words and language and the Beatles. I have. My name is Tim Lemire. You can find episodes of The Beatles' English on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to and download each episode from my website at timlemire.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other Beatle people to find it. Until next time, this is our continuing story. This is The Beatles' English.